Fast Ball Show, brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f*** you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f***ing Put that in. I don't So the tribe drops its third straight on this trip, 6-1 to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's say, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Talk about the past, talk about the history, and talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we can talk about. I would say I wouldn't know, but I would say the reason why they want to pass is baseball going to the highest baseball sport that has gone into baseball and from the baseball angle. I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember. It's not a lie if you believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And his team sucks. Well, the winner is where he's out. Yes, Brad is out. Look at, look at this. Brad is out. And uh, David Manning. I'm not here to argue about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. This can run cleaner than any baseball business ever put out in the hundred years of the Sell the team. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network, ready for hour two of the radio program, of course. And uh, this this hour, we're going to get into a couple different interviews. Um, I spoke uh, this morning with uh, Bob Clappish, who writes, of course, for the, uh, the, the record, as well as Fox Sports. Uh, of course, longtime writer in the New York area for the New York Post, New York Daily News, has written five baseball books. And, you know, we get into a lot of interesting things. So looking forward to that. I'm going to play that interview for you right now and be back. Uh, we'll pretty much follow that interview with our first break of the day. Hey, this is John Pielli. I'm here with longtime sports writer Bob Clappish, who, of course, writes for the record as well as Fox Sports. Bob, what's going on, buddy? Uh, I'm doing great this morning. Thanks for having me. Hey, anytime, anytime. Um, yeah, I noticed you were, you've, you've been a, a baseball uh, member of the Baseball Writers Association of America since 19. 19- Uh, Hall of Fame ballot with all the all the different players involved with steroids and stuff like that. 
Miss Bowden, before I let you go, man, just, uh, just get a little bit of uh, your, your impersonation of what you've seen over the years of Mariano Rivera. You know, of course, Mariano's retiring this year, and you know, I'm sure I've spent a lot of time looking at him and, you know, following his career and everything that he's accomplished. So what are your, uh, you know, let's say the Mariano Rivera career is coming to a close this year. What's your, uh, what's your opinion of what you've seen? right back after this. I'm Ron Sulpizi from the MTR Sports Report. Not sure where to eat? Then listen to these reviews. Awesome. Amazing Greek food. Everything is fresh. Great family restaurant in the heart of Ocean City. Katina's is an Ocean City staple. When you've had your fill of pizza, cheesesteaks, and ice cream, head for Katina's. Katina's Gyro Restaurant, 501 East 9th Street, Ocean City, New Jersey, 609-399-5525. Check out their website, katinasfoods.com. That's katinasfoods.com. Order their famous Mediterranean dressing, and they'll ship it right to your door. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Katina's Greek Restaurant. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7-24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. M-T-R. I'm Karen Siaska-Zeltman from Italian Hour. When my car needs service, I take it to Jonathan's Complete Car Care. Jonathan's Complete Car Care is the best for auto repairs, tires, diagnostics, and tune-ups. 
You can depend on Jonathan's for the best service at prices you can afford. Give Jonathan's Complete Car Care a call. 609-601-6460. They work hard to give you the service you need. Jonathan's Complete Car Care works with many vehicles, including Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Volvo, Volkswagen, and Audi. Make Jonathan's Complete Car Care the company you keep. 609-601-6460. Call today for a free estimate or visit. Find us on the web at jonathanscompletecarcare.com and like us on Facebook and find us on Twitter. You're listening to MTR Radio, powered by mtrmedia.com. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Passball Show right here on the MTR Radio Network. Lots of stuff to go over. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the uh, discussion there with Bob Clappish. Great stuff. We're talking about his uh, his book, Worst Team Money Can Buy, uh, the Bobby Bonilla experience, the whole thing. So uh, certainly a lot of good stuff there. Hope you guys enjoyed it. But uh, moving on into some stuff going on, we're going to get a little conventional baseball. We had a, a little history talking about Johnny Mize in the first hour. And, you know, I kind of got rented out some frustration about youth and people just saying that young players are going to be the best option for the Mets no matter how good or how bad they are but I'm done talking about that I'm over it we're going to get into a couple things going on of course the Phillies have struggled themselves and uh, you know the Philadelphia Phillies known I in my opinion and I I was wrong I I really I really admit that to this point I was wrong that I thought the Philadelphia Phillies would be very good this year I thought they could fly under the radar Uh, you look at a lot of the talent that they have on this team I figured that they had enough left to go for another year. And, you know, the unfortunate thing, and it just, just hasn't worked out. It just hasn't been the way that it, uh, it it was expected. And now, obviously, you get to the point where, hey, are players going to be traded? Is there going to be moves being made? You know, what – is going on with with what's going on with uh, with this team? Are they going to dump players like they did last year, trading guys like Hunter Pence and Shane Victorino? And uh, you know, I think it's a you know an unfortunate thing that you look by. And listen, I think the Phillies could still save this season. All they need is a couple good weeks. Uh, you look at guys like Cole Hamels and Ryan Howard who haven't necessarily had the best of seasons to this point, and it, those are guys certainly very much capable of turning things around. And you know, if you look. At a guy like Ryan Howard, if he could get hot right now, he's hitting 254, seven homers, 27 RBIs, which isn't terrible. But if he could go on a run like Dominic Brown's been on this year, and they could get maybe a little more out of guys like Michael Young and you know Chase Utley's hurt, but you know Delman Young, guys like that, they could come out here and produce a little bit. And Cole Hamels could somehow not be one and nine. I mean, uh, you know that probably is one of the more shocking things that have happened this season as we try to look at Major League Baseball, the whole thing, and you know, why are the Phillies struggling? But, you know, the holiday injury has something to do with it. Uh, you know, they're, they're in a, you know, I mean, some issues with the bullpen, though guys like Papelbon and Adams and even Bestardo have not pitched 
terribly. Uh, Pablo Bond's been great, but the other guys have been good. Uh, you know, it's a surprise what's going on, but that leads you, of course, into the Philadelphia Phillies. Are they going to trade Cliff Lee? And that's to me, something that I just think gets too much discussion. I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of, of talking about how great it's going to be when teams dump their players. But uh, Lee does have a no-trade clause, which includes the New York Yankees, Boston Red Sox, Texas Rangers, and Baltimore Orioles. And I do find it interesting. Obviously, you, you it's not a surprise to see New York in there. You know, Maybe he doesn't want to pitch for the Yankees. Obviously, he could have signed with them instead of the Phillies. But... You know, that's how it is. Boston is a similar market to New York. Maybe if his wife didn't like New York, then she probably wouldn't like Boston either, which is understandable as well. You got Baltimore, who actually think would be a very good place for Cliff Lee to pitch in. I know it's not the biggest pitcher's ballpark, but it's a place that he could have success in and in an environment that I think the fans are very, you know, fan-friendly and probably wouldn't give his wife any problems. And then, of course, the Texas Rangers, to me, are the biggest surprise of it because you really saw from Cliff Lee's discussion when it came to being traded from the Seattle Mariners to the Texas Rangers that he kind of liked it there. He liked his experience there. The Rangers were in it until the very last minute when when it came to uh, Lee having to choose between the Rangers, the New York Yankees, and the Philadelphia Phillies. And obviously, Ruben Amaro kind of swooped in and made that deal, made the whole thing happen. But, you know, why would he not want to play for the Texas Rangers? I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want to be traded midseason and have to go through the same thing that he went through last time. Maybe the experience wasn't all as great as we all thought it would be. But the bottom line is Cliff Lee is a guy that certainly is going to be on a trading block. And I, I don't think – I don't look at it in a way that I would assume that Cliff Lee gets traded. In fact, I would I would be more expecting that Lee will remain with the Phillies this season. Maybe a trade is a possibility for the offseason, but not right now. Another thing I do want to get into, we're talking about teams right now, conventional teams, the Arizona Diamondbacks this year, have played very good baseball. And they obviously went through a very big turnaround in regards to different moves, different things that they ended up making, uh, you know, here, there, the other thing. Obviously centered around the big trade of their star outfielder, Justin Upton, to the Atlanta Braves. And, of course, you know, Upton has done a very good job for the Braves. But that, that was thought to turn this into a situation where the team was going to kind of be rebuilding. And, uh, and, and actually, it's kind of worked out the opposite. And, and I'm a silly guy because I'm really looking at this from how the way I looked at things, that I thought there was a possibility that this team was going to take a step back. And apparently, I didn't really regard or, or pay enough attention to the amount of talent that they have on this team. Uh, I thought they had very good starting pitching. You know, Ian Kennedy, to me, is not an ace, but he's a good number two. And you look at the other guys that are there in that rotation, a Wade Miley, a Patrick Corbin, a Trevor Cahill, a Brandon McCarthy. Now, of course, they got some depth with guys like Daniel Hudson, Tyler Skaggs, uh, you know, all different all different pitchers that are going to have an impact on this team. The bullpen, I told you, was was phenomenal. Even without their, star, their, their closer, J.J. Putz, they still have Heath Bell, who has had a little bit of a resurgence. Brad Ziegler is a very good reliever. David Hernandez could be a closer for many teams. Tony Sipp and Matt Reynolds from the left side. So this bullpen was supposed to be good. The way I looked at this team coming into the season was all pitching, not enough hitting. 
And that's where I could not have been any more wrong. And I really thought that the lack of offense was really going to be something that was going to set this team back. I, I, I really misjudged a couple things. Number one, I misjudged Paul Goldschmidt, who apparently is a star and may very well be a better, a better power hitter than Justin Upton is. I did not see that coming into the season. If you did, then you got an advantage on me. But Paul Goldschmidt's been phenomenal. He's been an MVP candidate this year. You know, Didi Gregorius, the guy that got in a trade that sent Trevor Bauer and uh, Shinsu Chu aboard to different places, has been very good since he's taken over as the everyday shortstop. 313 average. Martin Prado, listen, Prado is probably a 300 hitter, hitting about 256 right now, but he, he's a guy that provides leadership. Jason Kubel has struggled. A.J. Pollock is a guy that they've gone with to be their center fielder. Gerardo Parra is hitting 300. Miguel Montero is hitting 202. So this is an offense that essentially is being carried by Paul Goldschmidt, who's hitting 330, 13 homers, 47 RBIs. And you look at some of the other guys that are there, you know, to Cody Ross, and, you know, Cody Ross is getting his chance to play, but he, he is nowhere near where he was last season with Boston. Eric Chavez is a bench player, has done a very good job hitting 325. But this is a team that you just think they have a little more holes offensively than they do, but then you got a guy like Goldschmidt. Aaron Hill's hurt right now. If Aaron Hill could come back and be healthy and, you know, help out, at some point this season, that's going to be a big boost to the lineup. I just thought the Arizona Diamondbacks were a little shorthanded when it came to offense. And I got to be honest, I'm wrong about it. I think this team could compete with anybody. You look at the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers have struggled. And if you listen to the PBS last week, you, you heard my, my discussions about the Dodgers and what I think of him and where I think they're, they're going to be. So I, th I think it's a situation where uh, the Diamondbacks, I think, can win this division now. I didn't think that coming into the season. I saw them as a disappointment, a team that was going to take a couple steps back. Uh, I thought the pitching staff, which was good coming in, but relying on guys like Keith Bell and J.J. Putz and Brandon McCarthy and guys like that. I just didn't think they could hang with the other teams. I thought the veterans would struggle. I didn't think they'd get as much as they'd gotten from, from the veterans that they got on this team. And, of course, Patrick Corbin, the left-hand pitcher that they ended up uh, taking as their fifth starter over Trevor Bauer, who they traded to the Cleveland Indians, has been phenomenal. He's 9-0. and 206 ERA, 11 starts, 74 innings, 61 Ks, a whip of 1.049. He's been that damn good. And I tell you, as the season goes on, more people are going to have more and more faith in the Arizona Diamondbacks, thinking that they are what you saw in 2011, as opposed to what you're seeing right now in 2013. So I do want to break for the second time this hour. I want to thank everybody for tuning in, of course. Uh, so we'll be back. A lot more stuff going on. We'll finish up the passball show after this. What's up, everybody? This is James Flippin. And Joey Baboots. We host the morning show together, and every morning we start up our cars and make the drive up to the studio. And you know, we always see one or two accidents along the way, and we wanted to make sure our listeners know where to go for the best in car care in South Jersey. That's right, James. Red Rose Body Shop. That's Red Rose Body Shop. Specializes in collision and framework. They're the best in South Jersey for paint and body work, unibody framework, free towing, and free estimates. So call today, 609 927-9454 and check out their website www.redroseautobody.com follow them on Facebook and Twitter 
Red Rose Body Shop, 2033 Ocean Heights Avenue, Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey, 609-927-9454. Red Rose Body Shop is South Jersey's collision specialist. 609-927-9454 or redrosebodyshop.com. Been in an accident? Take your car to the professionals at Red Rose Body Shop. MTR Radio is already your home for the best sports talk in New York and Philly. Coming soon, the next leap in the evolution of internet radio will have you tuning in all day, every day. Close out your workday with Sean Bretherick and Dan Feuerstein from 3 to 5 p.m. Then when your teams are done for the day, David Dobin will be there to recap all the action from 10 to midnight. It all starts Monday, May 6th on MTR Radio, America's radio station. You're listening to MTR Radio. Oh, yeah. Welcome back. Passball Show MTR Radio Network. Uh, welcome back. We're going to play right now an interview that I recorded earlier with Savannah Sandnat, second baseman Chad Zerker. And, of course, Savannah is uh, the Mets South, Met, New York Mets South Atlantic team, league team. And uh, Zerker is an infielder. He's playing mostly second base right now. Actually missed all of last season with a significant injury. But a uh, good spot here. So stay tuned. Listen to my interview with Chad Zerker. And we'll be back to finish up the program. That's John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. I'm here with uh, Savannah Sandnats infielder Chad Zerker out of the New York Mets organization. Chad, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. Just uh, just got done working out, uh, trying to find my way back to the lineup. Had a little wrist injury here lately, so I'm trying to get back in there so I can continue the season. Yeah. So first of all, how's 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 the health going? Are the risk getting better? You're going to be uh, you know, you you back in the lineup already, or are you you working your way back? I hope we're working my way back this week. I went to New York last week and had an MRI and met with doctors and. Uh, the doctor said to, to fix it, but uh, I missed all last year. Injured, so I didn't want to do that. So it gave me a shot in my wrist, hoping that would help. And regardless of if not, hopefully we can get back in the lineup and get through it for the rest of this season, and then get it fixed in the off season. And now, was was the wrist what was bothering you last year? Now, what ended up causing you to miss the whole season last year? No, I, I tore my labrum in my left shoulder last really? year. I was swinging, so I had surgery on that, and then uh, that was during spring training, so I missed the whole season. Yeah, now a couple of years ago, you obviously came up through the Mets system. You played with Kingsport in 2011, and now, of course, you're in the South Atlantic League with the uh, with the Savannah Sandnats. Uh, tell us a little about your uh, your development. You know, maybe outside of the injuries, are you uh, are you where you need to be as far as you know game shape, and you feel like you know, you're ready to uh, to kind of take your game to the next level? Oh yeah, I believe I am. I, I think I'm a little behind because of the injuries. Uh being in the South Atlantic League at, at 24 years old, but hopefully I can advance quick if I can get back in the lineup because I feel, feel good. I mean, hitting, hitting hasn't been a problem recently, and I feel good at the plate, seeing the ball well. Uh, still, I need to get stronger in the off season. Uh, as every year, I'm a little, a little underweight probably for most people at this level, but that's just one of those things you continue to develop in the off season and try to maintain it during the season. Yeah, once again, this is John Pielli. I'm here with Chad Zerker, who's a second base prospect in the New York Mets organization. Now, uh, you know, we, we, you would consider, I guess, second base your primary position now. I know you've played a, you know, you played a little third, you played a little short coming in, but primarily this year you've been playing second. So I guess going forward, you're, yeah, I guess you consider yourself a second baseman, right? Yeah, I consider myself a second baseman. I've, I've played short most of the time growing up, but gets to the point where short stops at this level, you run into them, you realize they're, they're freaks in nature a lot of times, and 
lot of people have stronger arms than me, so I've settled in a second. I enjoy it over there. No, absolutely, man. And uh, now, listen, as you're, uh, you know, as you're going forward, you, uh, you know, you're obviously looking to, you know, number one, stay healthy. Number two, uh, you know, get yourself in a position where you probably get, you know, a little more notice and you're able to advance through the system. But as a player in your spot, you know, in your position, uh, what, what kind of goes through your head? I mean, uh, like, like you figure the, the ideal answer would be, all right, you know, I'll, I'll play the best I can. The, uh, you know, the, you know, let my performance take care of itself. But is there, is there anything that gets in your your head as far as uh, figuring where you got to be at a certain age or anything like that? No, no, I try not to worry about the certain age thing. If it's, the Mets seem to be a good organization about giving people lots of chances. It's one of those things you can't let it get in your head about, I got to hit this number, I got to do this good at the play, I got to make these plays or it's not going to happen for me by the certain time. Uh, kind of at the beginning of the year when you're struggling or something, you're like, oh, this ain't going to cut it, you know? But it's not really about that. It's about producing over time it's a long season and it's about just going up there with the same mindset over and over repeating and being confident in yourself you wouldn't be here if you couldn't do it that's what i've come to learn yeah no question about it and once again this is john piella you're here with chad zerker now uh you know i'm going to give you a chance and I, i've done this with a lot of other uh, younger players that i've had on my show i'm going to give you a chance to kind of give uh, let the listeners a scouting report of yourself you know, I've got a chance to see you a little bit. You know, I'm in uh, you know the New Jersey area, so I saw you when uh, when uh, you guys were in Lakewood, New Jersey. But uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of other listeners, you know, may just want to get a little idea of what you know what what your game is and you know what to expect with you as they see you moving forward. I um a solid defensive player, not a strong arm. I uh, make the routine plays. Uh, try to just give it my effort on defense. You know, try to get as many balls as I can. At the plate, I'd say I'm, you know, I'm a top of the order kind of hitter. Uh, not that fast. Uh, good base runner though. Not a lot of power. Running to the ball every now and then. More of a gap to gap guy, line drive guy. Uh, opposite field, situational hitter. Do a good job of doing the job that I'm asked to do, whether it's runner, get a runner in or get a runner over. Uh, seeing a lot of pitches from some top of the order guy and taking my walks, not striking out a whole lot. All right, man. Uh, you, you know, you probably consider yourself a good on-base percentage guy. It looks like you do got a good eye on the plate. You know, from your numbers, you seem to you know be a, a, um, on-base percentage around 400, which is is very good. You know, you, I, I would I would think you would consider yourself good as far as an eye in the strike zone, as far as you know swinging the strikes and going with pitches where they are. Yeah, yeah, definitely hit pitches where they're pitched. Uh, not trying to do too much every time. That's, that's where you get in trouble as a hitter when you try to do too much and get in a 2 0 count. You think, all right, now I'm going to drop a double. If you try to drive a double, it's probably not going to happen. If you let it come to you, hit it where it's pitched, swing at strikes. And that's, that's what I pride myself on, swinging at good pitches that I can hit. I mean, there's strikes that you can't hit because pitchers make good pitches sometimes. Sometimes you got to tip your hat. But the best thing you can do is hit the pitch you're looking for in certain counts. Yeah, no question about it. And listen, Chad, I want to thank you for having some time today. And best of luck. Hopefully, you know, your, your health gets better with the rest of the whole thing. You get back on the field. And, uh, you know, the best of luck to your continued success in the minor leagues, man. All right. Thank you for having me. Anytime, man. Thanks, Chad. Oh, yeah. Hope you enjoyed the little discussion there with Chad Zerker. And, of course, Chad in the uh, New York Mets system, South Atlantic League, Savannah Sandnats, the whole thing. And we're just going to kind of get into a couple things. Of course, get into my Bases Empty blog, johnpiele.com, the whole thing. If you're a baseball fan, if you love baseball as much as I do, you need to get in there. You need to listen to my interviews. I got over about 130 interviews, including the ones 
from today. Um, got more planned for next week. It's something that's exploded. And, uh, you know, feel free. I mean, scoop down, see some of the names on there. You'll, I think you'll be impressed with some of them. Like I said, I like to interview uh, interview players that have stories to tell, not so much the big stars, but there's a lot of players that are notable in there. And I guarantee you'll find at least a good handful of players that you at least know who they are, and uh, they're definitely all good spots. So, once again, John Pielli, Bases Empty blog on JohnPielli.com, the whole thing. Uh, passball show right here on the MTR Radio Network as we're looking to finish up the program here. And uh, like we just talked about, Bases Empty blog. A couple of different things I, I hit up on, and I'll, I'll be real quick about the first one because it wasn't really that big of a deal, but the anniversary hit about a – it was, what, about a six-year anniversary of kind of an epic meltdown. And you talk about managers and players going nuts, getting thrown out of games, the whole thing. Uh, Philip Wellman, who was a, at the time manager of the Mississippi Braves, was uh, thrown out of a game, and they got the YouTube video, the whole thing. And he just absolutely loses it. Now, there was another – I don't remember the guy's name. And hopefully, if you want to tweet at me, at John underscore Pielli, like I said, at any time, I'll always uh, I'll always tweet back, acknowledge the fact that you, you, you reached out to speak with me, John underscore P-I-E-L-L-I. If you guys know the name of that, the other manager that had that ridiculous, like, tirade that he was out there, like, you know, uh, uh, bouncing on the ground and stuff like that, I'm actually curious to know what the guy's name is. I'll, I'll Google it and I'll find out before the day's over but feel free to tweet it at me but Philip Wellman was the other one the other manager that had that epic meltdown and it starts out with him coming out of the dugout yelling at the umpire getting in his face and pointing his finger yada 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 talking about how big the strike zone was and he goes out and he throws dirt on top of home plate he takes the time he fills up home plate he can't see home plate anymore and draws an outline of a bigger version of home plate which you know in fact was his opinion of the strike zone of the home plate umpire so after that he, he goes out and he's not done yet. He goes over there. He grabs third base. Right before he grabs third base, he gets in the third base umpire's face, starts yelling at him, yada, 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 gets in his face. Picks up third base, takes it out of the ground, walks it over, you know, throws it down towards second base. He walks over there, picks up second base, grabs second base and third base, and, and goes to walk off the field with it. Before he does that, he, he gets into this weird military soldier-like position, like he's scooping through the fields of a you know of the of the swamp or something and he grabs the rosen bag and he flips the rosen bag up like he's like he's like he's throwing a grenade at the umpire and it explodes in front of him uh, you know kind of a great sight and, and honestly one of the more comedic uh verses that you ever see from from a manager getting you getting thrown out of a game he obviously walks off the field with with both bases <laughs> leaves them out in the outfield and then blows kisses and bows to the crowd. But one of certainly one of the more epic scenes that you ever seen when you've seen a manager thrown out of a game. But I did want to just touch on that. So thanks. Thanks for putting up with that. Thanks for listening to me. You want to read more johnpla.com bases empty blog. I got the video, the YouTube video up there too, if you want to take a look at it. But um we're pretty much gonna finish up with this. We're talking to uh talking about women in professional baseball. And you know a lot of people think that it, it's something so foreign it just hasn't happened too much doesn't exist in the game as much but um you know the anniversary recently of Ilya Borders in uh, 1997 became the first female to appear in a professional baseball game pitching in a minor league game um that was what about six years ago already around the same time uh Philip Wellman had his uh his little issue but uh 
doing some research, you realize that women have been involved in Major League, in a, not Major League Baseball, but professional baseball for a long time. And I do find it re- ridiculously interesting. So as this whole thing started out, you look at the uh, the late late 1800s, and of course the Negro Leagues were pitched with uh, players like Mamie Johnson, Connie Morgan, Tony Stone was the first Negro League women female pitcher. Uh, you know, you look even up to a woman like Iri Yoshida, who who obviously made her mark in the you know in the game as a way to, you know the, you know with Japan at age 16, the whole thing. But several women have involved themselves and have been part of of baseball the way you know the way the way it is, and there is yet, of course, to be a major league baseball playing woman. But you know, you look at you know somebody like Ilya Borders, who of course was the first female to appear in a in a, a professional minor league game. Edith Houghton, who played for some, she played for some barnstorming teams in the 20s and 30s, and was the first female scout in Major League history for the Phillies from 46 to 52. Tiffany Brooks was the first American female pitcher in the 21st century to sign a contract with a professional American baseball team. Eleanor Engel was signed by the Harrisburg Senators in 1952, but her contract was was voided. Julie Cruteau was the second woman to play in NCAA baseball in 1989, and Leanne Ketchum was the first, well, along with Cruteau, was the first to play in an MLB-sanctioned winter, winter league baseball game. So, I mean, even recently, within the last 20 years, there's been an uh, impact of women in professional baseball. And, uh, you know, I think it begs to ask the question and feel free to tweet me the answers, however you feel, how, what, you know, whatever you think about it. Tweet me at John underscore Pielli. Will there ever be a female major league baseball player? I think it's something that's, that may not be as far fetched as people make it out to be. Uh, obviously, everybody focuses on what happened, you know, with World War II and uh, the league their own movie and the women's you know uh, professional baseball league that they set up um, could that ever happen again I don't know. I don't think they could get enough financing to really set up an all-girls professional baseball league similar to the way they did in the 1940s. But could a female baseball player with the, the same amount of talent as a male baseball player have a chance to make it into the major leagues now? And I find it I find it very interesting because you look at it from from this type of perspective. I don't think that it's that much of that that it's that far away from happening and you know you may think it's crazy but but honestly there there will be and i think there has been women with enough talent to play this game and look at the one thing that major league baseball has you know that's really different from other sports is all the extra minor leagues and obviously the battle for that woman would not and and i think i think we're talking about apples and oranges but you know would be similar to a fight uh, of a Jackie Robinson that he had to make and obviously women have have progressed in society a lot better off than african-american players did up until around the time that jackie robinson broke the color barrier in major league baseball so i think that has to be considered so i in my opinion that is kind of comparing apples to oranges but a female player similar to let's say a hillary clinton running for president and trying to be the first female president would would obviously take a long haul 
and, and, it, and it would not be like, all right, the Montreal Royals signed Jackie Robinson. He's going to play one year there, and then, then he's going to get a chance in the major leagues. This female player would have to start from a rookie league. And, you know, let's say a, a team like a, like a Kingsport Mets, a Gulf Coast team, and would move themselves to low A ball, to A ball, to double A, to triple A. And then once they've mastered triple A, they will get their chance to play in the major leagues. I think it's a fair enough challenge, and, and I'm surprised more females haven't been signed. But to use a draft pick, listen, as far as them being part of the MLB draft, I think it's something that's uh, that, that's a little far-fetched and probably won't see happen for a while. But to, you take a female player that maybe is a good pitcher, maybe is a good hitter, and you watch them progress up through the minor league channels from, like I said, to rookie league, to low A, to high A, to double A, to triple A. And once that finally happens and they get to the majors, they earned it. And I would really and, and listen, will, will I be surprised? I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think anything's possible. But what I do expect to see as opposed to a female player actually going out there, getting through all those levels and joining, you know, playing in the major leagues would would be a woman or two getting a shot like that, getting a chance to play in rookie ball. And if they could compete with the the other men, if they could play at that level then maybe they get a promotion. I, I do think it's a possibility, and it's something that, that, listen, you might call me crazy. Like I say, tweet at me, at John, John underscore PLE, the whole thing. Get involved. Let me know what you think. But, um, you know, kind of just moving on a little bit. You know, we want to get into a couple more conventional things. You know, we talked a little bit about the Arizona Diamondbacks before, and uh, I do think there's a team on a rise, a team that's closer to 2011 than it was last year in 2012. Um, um, the Kansas City Royals claimed uh, Quinton Berry, and I, I did an article most recently on Quinton, and actually probably within the last six months, uh, probably during the postseason last year. Quinton Berry was claimed off waivers from the Detroit Tigers. He's uh, added to the uh, 40-man roster and, of course, is going to be part of the Kansas City Royals outfield mix. Uh, Barry kind of impressed me last year. I really liked what I saw, particularly in the late part of the season with the Tigers and in the postseason. To me, he's not a dominant type of player. He's not an everyday player. Probably a good platoon uh, outfielders. Got very good speed. He saw from Detroit last year. He hit 258 in the regular season with just two home runs, but played a significant part of the postseason for the Detroit Tigers. Played four games in the ALDS. Played three games in the ALCS. Played four games, all four games of the World Series against the San Francisco Giants. Was Five for 26, 192 average. Uh, not very impressive, but uh, was it was a serviceable player. And I do think that the Tigers would have liked to held on to him. They sent him down to the minor leagues this year, uh, really because of a roster crunch. And now are in a situation where they had a they had to take him off of their 40 man roster. And by doing that, they subject him to waivers. And that's where the Kansas City Royals come in and pick him up. You know, maybe into my rant before in regards to the New York Mets. Maybe uh, maybe the Mets should have. Had a little interest there. Maybe the Mets should have had a little bit of thought and, and hope in maybe trying to bring this guy in. So I, I do think it's something that has to be considered, has to be thought about. But listen, I do want to thank uh, everybody who was part of my show today. Ned Garver. want to thank uh, Bob Clappish. want to thank Chad Zerker. And we'll get into everything going on next week on a Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. You don't want to miss that show because I have a very good show planned already. 
uh, some solid guests, uh, just like you get all the time here at the PBS. So thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope to be able to uh, catch you guys next week. Remember, Saturday mornings, 10 to 12, MTR Radio Network. It's the past ball show. And, of course, tune in to me Thursdays from 5 to 7 on the MTR Evening Drive, which gets you caught up in everything going on in sports, everything that's happened that day, getting you ready for the games that are going on at Perspective Night. So thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope to catch with you next week. Just John Pielli, and I'm out.